Hey, good morning, church. Today, you have the distinct privilege to hear from my good friend, Dr. Charles Lowry. He is a psychologist, he's a pastor, he's an author, he's a teacher, he teaches marriage and family. He's no stranger to our church, he's been here before. In fact, he's so valuable as a communicator, I've asked him to come two times this summer. He'll be here today and then in July. And on that Sunday night in July, I've asked him if he will do a marriage conference, a retreat, just a setting on that Sunday evening uh, here at the Battle Creek campus. It's going to be amazing. You're going to laugh. You're going to have fun and a date with your spouse. Uh, but Charles is today going to teach you the Word of God, and I just want you to put your hands together and welcome him to the stage. Thank you. Always good to be back here, and uh, I am a psychologist by training. I Spent many years in the mental health clinic as the chief of diagnostic and clinical services. I, uh, I left the mental health clinic, and one reason I left is I couldn't tell the staff from the patients. Uh, <laughs> except the staff had the keys. Other than that, I couldn't tell the, the The staff seemed to have as many problems as the patients had. So I actually left that mental health clinic. I had a unique life. One week I worked at a mental health clinic. Next week I worked at a Baptist church. People say, was that a big adjustment? I say, no, the staff still have the keys, but other than that, I can't tell a whole lot of difference. No. I'm going to talk to you today about relationships, and the good news is I don't have to finish. I'm going to kind of actually finish the message I started with you last year, and uh, then we're going to come back July 14th. That's right, July 14th, and they're going to give me Sunday morning and a couple hours in the afternoon uh, as I'm going to teach you how to have great relationships uh, in your life. Uh, you know, most people think they have emotional problems when really they have living problems. I uh, uh, speak to these companies sometimes in their conventions and they have a golf tournament before the event and they'll pair me with somebody and he's just awful. I mean, he swings and misses the ball, you know, and then I, you know, I'm an encourager. I say, you know, give it another shot. And then he swings and misses it again. And so I am an encourager. So I say, Hey, don't quit. Now you got a no hitter going, you know, just, and so, uh, uh, but then he, he gets mad, you know, he throws his club down and he starts saying bad words and he's mad, stupid game. And the president will turn to me and said uh, something like this. You're a psychologist. Help this guy. He's, he's, got, he's got anger issues. You know, he's, he's emotional about this thing. He's throwing the club and saying bad words. I said, can you help him? And I said, let me, let me tell you what would really help him. Do you want to know what would really help him? He said, what? Like anger management course? I said, no. Here's what would really help him. A golf lesson. That's what would really help him. Yeah. He doesn't have emotional problems. He's an awful golfer. That's what he is. You know? uh, and if he got his golf better, his emotions would get better. People come to me all the time. They say, you got emotional problems. You don't have emotional problems. You got living problems. That's what you got. I used to hear these people sometimes and they'd say, you know, I don't think my life's worth living. And I wanted to say, well, if I lived your life, it wouldn't be worth living either. I mean, you're not living very good, you know? And so we teach people how to live a good life because God has a plan. That's the very best plan for you on this planet earth. So we're going to talk about relationships today because here's what the Bible says. Genesis chapter two, verse 18, for the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. You don't need to be alone. The way you're going to be the person that God wants you to be is to be around other people. And there's some things in life you can't get through by yourself. There's some hills you won't be able to get down by yourself. 
I used to do a lot of leadership conferences in Colorado. We lived in Dallas. Uh, we would go to Vail and some of those places, and we'd do leadership conferences and snow ski during the day and talk about leadership at night. And my wife just loved to snow ski, so she'd want to book every one of those. Man, you got to go, go do that one, you know. She gets to snow ski. Well, I didn't learn to snow ski very well. I, I mean, it, it was a contact sport for me from the beginning. And when I found out they didn't stop that lift to get off, I thought, this is hard, you know, this is hard. And if you want to go snow skiing, take lessons, because you'll have the life expectancy of a fruit fly if you don't. Uh, yeah. Any sport that has an ambulance at the bottom of the hill, you know, this is tough, you know. So I, I didn't do very good. You know, I just, I just didn't, I just couldn't get it going. Matter of fact, if, if you're like me and you're in a little trouble and you want to go snow skiing, let me give you some exercises, okay, just to get you ready to go snow skiing. Take some gloves and soak them in water. And then put them in a freezer for about five hours and then put them on, you know, and just walk around like this for a while, those frozen gloves. And you'll be almost ready, but not quite. Uh, then find some stairs and run up those stairs and then come down without your legs. Just boom, 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 boom. And then run up there again and boom, 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 boom. Do that about three or four more times and you'll almost be ready, but not quite. Then find a wall, just like that wall right there, and just run into the wall. Just run into the wall. And the wall will knock you down. It'll knock you down, you know. And then when you're trying to get up, have somebody put ice down your back. Put ice down your back. And then give them lots of money. Oh, here's lots of money for this. Lots of money for this. And you'll kind of know what it's like to go snow skiing. So, uh, we went to this snow skiing trip, and I skied the first day, and it, it didn't go very well. So I decided to take the day off, you know, sit in the hot tub, you know, just meditate and talk to the Lord. Because, you know, I'm like you. I spiritualize my psychological problems, too, usually. And so I'm uh, uh, just going to sit there and relax. And so my wife comes by and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking the day off. She said, you can't take the day off. You're the leader. You're talking about leadership with these people. And, and then she starts quoting my stuff, you know, like you got to face it to fix it and stuff like that. You know, I don't like to hear stuff I preach when I'm sitting in a hot tub. <clears throat> I said, I'm not going. I'm sore. I'm going to sit in the hot tub. She said, how can you be sore? You jog two miles a day. How can you be sore? I said, I rarely run into trees or fall down when I jog, you know. Yesterday, I ran into trees and I fell down. I'm sore. And then she gives me that disgusted look. You know, there's a, there's a school where women go and they teach them disgusted looks. You know, they just teach them, you know. So I, I got three daughters and a wife. So I've seen like 300 different disgusted looks, you know. Uh, so she gives me like disgusted look 203, you know, and, and she goes on, you know, and I'm I'm there, and some of, some of my buddies come by and say, what, what are you doing? I said, man, I'm not doing, I'm not, I mean, it, it's skiing is not going well. I'm taking the day off. They said, no, look, I tell you what, we've heard you're not doing well. We will help you today. I said, no, you will kill me. They said, no, we'll help you. Look, we know you're struggling. We'll go on the easy slopes. We'll work with you. It'll be all about you today. Okay, okay. I said, okay, okay, sure, yeah, okay. So, and, and so we did. And, and they did. They took care of me. They, you know, worked with me on some stuff. And. 
We went on the greens and, you know, the easy blues. And if you ever go snow skiing, they got sweet names, you know, like on the greens and the blue, like Peter Rabbit Hill and Pete's Blossom Run, you know, sweet little names like that. So we're on Peter Rabbit Hill and Pete's Blossom Run, and we make a turn, and we're on a black slope, and there's nowhere to go, you know. I mean, it's just straight down. And, and, and by the way, when, when you get to the black they forget about public relations. There's no Peter Rabbit Hill or Pete's Blossom Run. It's like Casket Runaway, you know, or, or Paul Bear's Peak, you know, names like that, which is all kind of code for you'll soon see Jesus, you know, if you go down this place. Uh, uh, so I am, I am scared to death. I mean, I'm looking straight down. I mean, I'm confessing sins I just thought about doing. I mean, I, I am scared, you know. I, uh, I thought of Alex. I confess some of his sins. I mean, I, I'm, confess, you know, I, I'm, I'm surrendering to foreign missions. You know, God, I'll go to Pango anywhere. Get me down. I'm going to die. You know. And then a friend of mine, expert skier, is over to the right. He says, Charles, don't look down. Don't look down. Make your little S's and ski over to me. Don't look down. Make your little S's ski over to me. I skied over to him. He skis on the other side of the mountain. Charles, don't, don't look down. Make your little S's. Ski over to me. Come on. You can do it. Make it look. Come on. And he got me down that mountain. Let me tell you about life. There's some hills you can't get down by yourself. You're going to need some friends. Probably one of my best, best friends lost his wife about two, two and a half years ago now. I'll never forget his first vacation. He, he called me and said, could you help me plan my vacation? Maybe meet me somewhere. He said, I, we got married in college. I, I can't even remember a vacation without Donna. And I, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I, I met him on part of his vacation. And my wife and I helped him plan it. Sometimes when she was really sick, he would call and we'd just cry. We'd just cry. So you got to have some friends in life. Here's, here's what friends, they need to do for you. First, they need to get, tell you the truth without fear. You need some friends who will tell you the truth. You know, life's a Ponzi scheme. It will lie to you. It will lie to you. Uh, you need somebody who will tell you the truth, truth without fear. You need somebody who, a sensitive tear, especially you guys. Somebody that, you know, when life knocks you down, you can just cry. You know, you can cry. Uh, sensitive tear, a good cheer, somebody that's encouraged you, you know, hey man, you, you can do this. Uh, somebody that give you a listening ear. Sometimes you just need to talk and let somebody listen to you. And then a kick in the rear, you know, some, some, sometimes, you, you know, your friend needs to take, you know, quit throwing a pity party. We all got to do this. Let's go do it and help you, help you get through that. We need those people in our lives. Today, we're going to talk about how to make relationships last. And, and we're going to, uh, we'll <clears throat> come back and finish this again because I never actually finished a message in my life. But uh, <laughs> L-A-S-T. The first is learn. We have to learn how to have great relationships. And, and, and I'm going to help the men the most uh, because men need more help. Uh, they did some research. They played a novel to men and to women. And they had... Uh, an instrument set up where they could actually look at the brain when men were listening and when women were listening. When women are listening to a novel being read, both sides of the brain light up and there's connectivity between the two hemispheres. You know, the brain has left, right hemisphere. There's that cor corpus colloquium in the middle and both sides of the brain light up with connectivity. When a man was listening to the novel, only one side of the brain would light up. Now, let's be honest, women. 
you've been talking to your man many times, and deep down you were thinking, it's like talking to someone with half a brain. <laughs> I mean, haven't you thought that? And you're absolutely correct. When it comes to listening, men only have half a brain. So it makes it difficult for them. They don't grow up communicating like you do. So let me see if I can teach you the difference between a man and a woman. I want to borrow this purse here. Uh, this, wow, this is heavy. You've got a dead deacon in here for sure, don't you? Uh, this is a woman. This is a man. Women are complex. Men are simple. You see, women grew up cooperating, communicating, sharing. They said things like, let's braid hair, go over to your house and talk. Men did not grow up communicating, sharing, talking. They grew up competing. King of the hill, capture the flag, put a helmet on and seriously injure the other guy. That's how we grew up, you see, that competition. And women sometimes have trouble understanding. He's always competing. Went on our, one of our first vacations and my wife said, can we stop at the rest area? I said, not till I pass that Chevrolet. <laughs> you guys know, don't you? What Chevrolet? Chevrolet passed me 30 miles back. I've been trying to catch ever since. That Chevrolet. So difficult for a man to stop at that rest area and watch all those cars pass him that he spent so much effort passing before. Uh, so hard, so hard. Yeah. But women, you see, little girls grow up talking, communicating, sharing. It's been documented that 100% of the words that four-year-old girls use are totally intelligible. They're already talking. Four-year-old boys, it's been documented, 40% of what they say is totally unintelligible. You don't believe it? Go over and watch a four-year-old class of boys right now. It'll be grunt sounds. Boom, 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 boom. Just a bunch of sounds. By the way, men never outgrow their need to make their sounds. That's just part of it. <laughs> see, men are simple. Women are complex. You see, you come to my house. We have lots of towels. We got towels that match other towels. We got towels that match the floor. We got towels that match the wallpaper. We got towels we use. We got towels we don't use. <laughs> We got decorative towels. Nobody uses those towels. We got guest towels. People we don't know, they use those towels. <laughs> Women are complex. We got lots of towels at my house. What if I live by myself? Two towels. One wet, one dry, alternate six months, throw them out, buy me two more towels. Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. He needs more towels. <laughs> Men are simple. One head, one bed, one pillow. Nope. <laughs> Women are complex. 
We got 11 pillows on our bed. I take six off every night. I put six back on every morning. Why? I don't know why. I don't have a clue why. I'm thinking one head, one bed, one pillow. We bought a brand new house. My wife looked at brand new wallpaper and said, that's got to go. I said, that's new wallpaper. She said, but it's not me. I said, it's not me either. It's wallpaper. (laughs) But it wasn't good for man to be alone. He needed more what? Wallpaper. See, we grew up differently. And the fact of the matter is, the different becomes the dynamic. You can be together more than you could ever been apart. Incompatibility is not why you get divorced. It's why you get married. So you can become a team and learn from that team. Okay, that's about as long as I can hold that. Uh, So how do we learn? How do we communicate? Well, we have to learn to listen. Now, L-I-S-T-E-N. I'm not going to go through the whole word. You're going to come back July 14th and we'll finish it, all right? But I'm going to do the first two steps because I'm here. I need to help men. So let's do the first two steps. When you learn how to listen, men, L stands for lean forward, look them in the eyes. You see, a woman talks as much for process as she does product. She talks as much for rapport as she does report. You see, a woman wants you to understand the feeling behind the facts and just not the facts. That's why you have to put everything down. Put that remote down. Put those keys. Put the fo- And lean forward, look her in the eye. Why? So you can pick up on nonverbal communication. If you come into your house and your wife's in a kitchen in a position somewhat like this, and you say, what's wrong, honey? And she says, nothing. And you say, oh, good. I'm going to go play golf. You will soon see Jesus, but she's going to kill you. Why? Because non-verbally, she's telling you everything is wrong. And if you love me enough, you'd find out what it is, you see. Uh, so it's picking up on that non-verbal communication. So you got to lean forward, look her in the eye. I stands for inquire. That means active listening. That means you respond to something she said, like, Well, then what happened? Well, why did she do that? Well, can you believe she would do something? I mean, you start to inquire, you active listening. Now, since we don't have time to go into the whole listening thing, let me just break it down here and tell you men, this would be progress if you could just do these first two steps, all right? In other words, if when she starts to talk, if you put everything down, lean forward, look her in the eye, and when she pauses, just say, tell me more. I mean, anybody, you can do that, guys. I mean, that's the basic stuff, all right? So lean forward, look her in the eye, when she pauses, just say, tell me more. That would be progress, I promise you. Now, I have to balance this, and I really hate to tell you this because it's very discouraging, but it is the truth. When a man leans forward, looks you in the eye, and says, tell me more, he really doesn't want to know anymore. I hate to tell you, but he's a guy, all right? 
And so when he does that, he's doing that because he loves you and he loves Jesus. And I told him to. So when he does that, keep it short. Okay. He, he, he does not want the whole newspaper. He just wants the headline. Okay. He doesn't want the book. He wants the pamphlet, you know. God said, does it bother you that your wife has the last word? He said, no, I'm just excited when she gets to it. And so, uh, <laughs> lean forward, look her in the eye, tell me more. Work on that till I come back next month, and then we'll go through the rest of it. A stands for appreciate what you have. You see, the world's a Ponzi scheme. Remember, we all come from the Adams family. Remember Uncle Adam and Aunt Eve? So we all have what we call our Adam suit, or if you're a female, your Eve suit. And what your Adam suit wants is it wants to feel better, not act better. It does not want a plan, it wants a pill, does not want education, it wants medication. That's your Adam suit, and that's my Adam suit. We're selfish, and we want what we want. And you constantly struggle against that Adam suit in life. And so what we have to understand is your Adam suit wants what it does not have because it believes the Ponzi scheme of the world that this can make you happy. If you could just get this, you'd be happy. Remember, Adam and Eve had everything, everything in the world they could ever want. And yet the one thing that they did not have is what they focused on. And that's what you have in you. And that's what I have in me. As a rule, man's a fool. When he's hot, he wants it cool. When he's cool, he wants it hot. Always wanting what's not. As a rule, man's a fool. We all like that. We all want what we cannot have, and the world's a Ponzi scheme, and the world wants you to compare your insides with everybody else's outsides. It wants you to compare your facts with some fantasy out there that doesn't exist. And in our day, it makes it even more and more difficult because we have things like Facebook, which is a fantasy. People put all their good stuff on Facebook and you start comparing your everyday life with the best day of their life, you see? And you always come up short and negative. I think everybody should have to put on Facebook reality, not just the best days, have to put some of the crud up there. I mean, when Susie and Bill got divorced and Bill's driving off and all the kids are crying. I mean, that's real life. Why don't you post that? Or why Uncle Lou got so drunk at the wedding he couldn't stand up and he's throwing up in the front yard. Take a picture of that vomit for everybody out there. <laughs> but we don't do that. And hey, fine, post your best stuff up there. But realize that's the best you got, all right? Don't compare your life with that, okay? Because that's a fantasy that doesn't exist every day. So learn to appreciate what you have. And it's just a matter of focus. You see, the brain can only think of one thought at a time. So it's what you focus on is depending on what your emotions will be. Most of you, with your job or your relationships or whatever, it's usually 80 to 90% positive, depending on what kind of life or what kind of job you have. And it's usually 10 to 20% negative. But what most people do is they focus on the negative. And if you have an 80% great life and you got 20% that's negative and you spend all your time focused on the negative, you're going to feel 100% like you have a miserable life. So it's a matter of focus. And it's a matter of getting your Adam suit because your Adam suit wants to focus on the negative. It happens the time you're very young. I took my daughter, Brianne, my youngest. She's about seven. Teach her how to ride the bicycle. Took her to 
Went in Wildwater Park, the fall of the year. Not a car in the parking lot, just this big parking lot. I said, look at all this asphalt, Brian. You're going to be a bike rider, just like your big sisters. I had to learn how to ride on sand and rocks, but you, you're going to go on this asphalt. You're going to be fast. You're going to be a great bike rider. I get the bike out. Look at all that asphalt. I said, Daddy, what's that way down there? I said, don't worry about that. Look at all this asphalt. Well, Daddy, that's a pole. Well, I know that's a pole. But look at all this asphalt. You're going to be a bike rider. What if hit the pole? You're not going to hit the pole, Brian. Look at all this asphalt. Well, hit the pole. It's going to hurt. It's not going to hurt because you're not going to hit the pole. Now, get on a bicycle. You know, I teach a kid how to ride a bike. Don't you run like crazy? Feel the wind and get your face. You're a bike rider. What if I hit that pole? You're not going to hit the pole, Brian. Look at all this asphalt. Go. And I'll let her go. And she heads straight for the pole. Daddy, I'm headed for the pole. Turn it to the right. Look at all that asphalt. Turn it to the right. I can't turn to the right, Daddy. I'm headed for the pole. Turn it to the left. Look at all that. Turn. She mutilates that pole. By the time I got there, lips stuck out, tears in her eyes. I told you I was going to hit the pole. I said, I know, Brienne, because you focused on the pole. Let me tell you why most of you are frustrated, why you're depressed, or why you're stressed out pretty simple. You're pole hitters. <laughs> pole hitters. Here a pole, there a pole, everywhere a pole, pole. <laughs> You're pole hitters. Everybody has them, but when you focus on them, that's what brings you down. Because why? Because there's something wrong with everything in this world. You just go out there. The lane you're in slows down. The reason it slows down is because you're in it. Switch lanes, you just slow down the other lane. You ever notice that? The mate that snores goes to sleep first. That's just life. The barcode never works on the most embarrassing item. I raised three daughters. I know that one. <laughs> My wife used to hand me that grocery list, and I'd say, I'm not buying that. She'd say, yes, you are. you the daddy. you buying that. No, I'm not. I, I'm not. Bu you buying that. you the daddy. I'm the daddy. I'm buying that. But I'm going to sneak through so nobody watches, you know. Price check. They wave it. I'm saying, put it down. I'll pay you anything. Get me out of here. <laughs> That's just life. We all have them. You, you got a pole in your family. I guarantee you got a pole in your family. Every family tree has a sap. You got a pole in your family. Instead of joining Christmas dinner, what did you do? I know what you did. You talked about the pole. Yeah, what if the pole comes? What if the pole doesn't come? What if the pole comes drunk like last year? What if the pole brings her, that other pole? What are we going to do? And life becomes miserable. And by the way, it's always been that way, and it always will be that way. Until God creates a new heaven and a new earth, that's the way it's going to be down here. There's going to be something wrong with everything. Always has been. Remember the first church relocation committee? They had a chance to go to the promised land. The promised land. How good is that? Not good enough. Ten came back not with grapes, with gripes. Not going to the promised land. Poles. Big poles. Giants. Not going. Can you believe it? God's people had a chance to live their life in promised land. And they refused to go. Only two came back with grapes. And they said, look how big these grapes are. What God said is true. This place is fantastic. Look how big they are. Oh, yeah, those are big. That's proof, all right. Only big giants could grow big grapes like that. Remember, it's only your focus that matters. 
we're not going. And they didn't go, and they spent the rest of their lives in pitiful land, griping and complaining. I hope the same percentages doesn't match up to today. But as I'm around church people, I'll just tell you, most people don't live in the promised land. They live in pitiful land, griping and complaining, and talking about the poles. See, it's not the facts. Facts are something wrong with everything. It's what you choose to focus on. You might have heard about grandma and grandpa. They took their grandkids on vacation. Turned on the interstate, saw this big sign, natural park. They thought, oh, that'd be good for the grandkids, nature trails, things like that. So they pull in and realize this really is a natural park. Let's be politically correct here. Clothing optional lifestyle. Some of you may know it as a nudist camp. For you bubbas, I'm talking naked people, you understand? (laughs) They turn in They have four people on bicycles coming right at them without a stitch. I mean, right at them. They can't get the car turned around quick enough. They're trying to put their hands up so the kids can't see. But you know kids. Look at those people. Look at them. Look at them. They they don't have, look at them. They don't have, they they don't, they they don't have their safety helmets on. (laughs) Now, how could they focus on that? Because that's what they've been taught their whole life to focus on, you see. You know what the Bible says? You're to focus on things that are praiseworthy. You know what the Bible says? Don't even speak a negative word. Every word you speak should be a word of edification, should be a good word. The Bible teaches that if you focus on the good and you speak good, you're going to have the kind of life that God had in mind when he created you. You say, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Said, how, how can you focus on the good when there's so much bad? Here's the key. You can focus on the good when you first focus on the God. Because if you can focus on the God, eventually there can be some good in the situation. Why? Because the cross is the biggest plus sign in the Christian's life. You see, the cross says this, because... The crucifixion, the crucifixion, the cross was the worst thing anybody could do to somebody. We all could agree on that. And God took the worst thing that could do to somebody and make it the best thing for everybody. And if he can do that with a cross, then he can take that with your life. That whatever the world does to you, in the long term, God can take and use for you. We have to just make the decision of what we're going to focus on. You see, if you focus on the circumstances and people and think they have power over you, you will pity yourself and you'll be a very miserable person. You ever been around those people? They're always saying, this person said this about me and they did this at work and they're why I'm unhappy and that's why I'm depressed. (laughs) Their favorite hymns, I love to tell the story and they tell it over and over again. They give people power and they pity themselves. But other people give God the power and will pity other people. Why? Because I feel so bad that you would have to say that or do that to me, but it has no effect on me because God's the one with the power. And in the long term, he will get good out of the situation and I'll be able to be the person that he created me to be. You see, it's just a matter of focus. So it's 
your attitude. It's appreciation. You see, grateful people have great lives. Ungrateful people become hateful people and destroy not only their lives, but many other lives in the process. Learn to appreciate what you have. You say, well, Charles, uh, you, you don't know my life. I mean, I, 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 don't, I, can't, I can't think of anything to appreciate. Well, let me just help you here. Just be thankful for your nose. I mean, be glad God put your nose on right side up. I mean, what if God put your nose on upside down? As much as it rains around here, you would drown every other day. And then when you sneeze, you'd blow your thankless head off. Appreciate your nose. S stands to serve out of who you are. And then T says, tell yourself every day why you're on this earth. Tell yourself every day why you're on this earth. You say, well, why am I on this earth? That's what I wondered about. Well, you're on this earth. Well, let's, let's, let's back up. There's a man named Abraham, and God called out this man named Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your family. And through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless the entire earth. Because of Jesus, we're all in that covenant with Abraham. So we are now, your purpose in life is to bless other people. It, it may take many forms, but the bottom line is you're here to bless other people. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 3, Verse 7 talks to men. It says, men, if you don't honor your wife and dwell with her with understanding, your prayers will be hindered. God's the one that makes relationships spiritual. Then he says, finally, all of us be of one mind. One couple asked me one time, well, which one, mine or his? Uh, the Bible says, be of one mind, which is what? The mind of Christ. If you're in the same direction, you'll very rarely get in cross directions. You're both trying to do what Jesus would want you to do. And then it says this. One of the greatest passages to live your life by in the world. It says, even when people do evil against you, do not do evil back. Even when people revile against you, do not revile back. And then it uses the word contrary. In other words, different than the way your Adam suit wants to react. Because when people do evil against you, your Adam suit wants to do evil back. I promise you. But it says contrary to that, you bless those people. You bless them. And then it says this. For this you were called. You bless people. Why? Because this is why God called you. And then it says you will obtain a blessing from God. And that's where people get confused. They think, I'm going to bless somebody, and they're going to bless me back eventually. What's your name? Noah. What? Noah. Noah? Great name, man. Let's just say I bless Noah. Just bless him, bless him, bless him. I'm blessing him, blessing him, bless, bless, bless. See me blessing him, bless, bless. Man, I'm blessing Noah. I got a bless, bless, bless. I'm blessing him, blessing him, bless, bless. Bless, bless, bless. Man, I'm blessing him. I got up to blessing him. I'm blessing him, bless, bless. See me blessing him, bless, bless. Bless, bless. Man, I'm blessing him, blessing him. Whew, I'm getting a little tired, but bless, bless. But all the blessing I got left, bless, bless, bless. But after a while... My Adam suit starts thinking like this. Well, when's he going to bless me back? 
And then I start thinking things like, you know, after all I've done for him, you think he'd do something for me. You start to get resentful. If you understand this, this will change your life. You're not blessing somebody so they'll eventually bless you back. You're blessing them because God said, that's why you're here. And when you do it, I'll bless you. Once you start to understand that, everything starts to change. Let me tell you about people. Some people will never bless you back. You can't see the, you can't see the, the, the emotional, but you can see the physical. I, I remember one time I had an abscessed tooth. I hurt so bad I could hardly take a step without, my, without it hurting. Now, when I had that abscessed tooth, was I thinking about helping somebody else? No, only of myself. How can I get relief? You know, I'm in so much pain. Listen carefully. You will run across people in your life, maybe in your own family. They are obsessed emotionally. They're in so much pain, they will never be able to bless you. And if you're looking for them to bless you back, it's never going to happen, and you're going to end up being a resentful person. But if you can make that switch in your mind and say, it doesn't matter if that person never blesses me back, they're not going to affect my behavior. God's going to affect my behavior. And I'm going to bless that person, and then God's going to bless me back. Let me see if I can sum it all up. There's just two kind of powers in this world. There's the power of God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. And they've chosen to change the world by blessing the world. Even at Calvary, when they could have blasted the world, they chose to bless the world. There's another power, the power of Satan, the evil one, the accuser, the liar. And at every opportunity, this power will blast people. One power chooses to bless and one power chooses to blast. Some of you know I like country music. Some of it's pitiful, like my wife ran off my best friend and I miss him. That's probably not a good country song. <laughs> There's another country song that's not very good either, but it has a great title. You know what the title is? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You see, if I could follow you around at home and work and school and see whether you bless or whether you blessed, I would know who's your daddy. Because our Father has chosen to change the world by blessing the world. And He's chosen to bless the world through me and through you. Make sure you know who's your daddy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, thank you that you're such a good God and you're our God because of Jesus Christ. There's someone here that's never believed in you as Savior. Lord, give them the faith to believe, not in a religion or being good or following a bunch of rules, but that you love them enough to live a life they can never live 
and to conquer death so that you, that they could be in your forever family. All you ever want is a family. And because of Jesus, that family is available to whoever will believe. Give someone the faith to believe. Others, may we choose to bless rather than blessed. And to know that our Heavenly Father says He will bless us. Thank you for Jesus. His name we pray. Amen. TC family.